Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. You know, I love this topic of bravery, by the way. I've always been a big advocate of creative bravery because I think you see creativity when there's extremes, right? When you think about human nature, when extreme conditions or situations happen, that's where creativity comes to the fore. Whether it's creativity or bravery, I've been so impressed with the shift that's happened or accelerated towards Things like online click and collect, more frictionless options for payments, more, it's becoming easier and easier for commerce to become broader than just e-commerce. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofsetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. So, Sarah, I was catching up with someone that we probably both know in the industry who's very well respected. And this person was telling me that last year, the fastest growing part of DoorDash's business was CPG because of the growth of convenience stores moving onto its platform. Rachel, you're absolutely right. I'm not surprised, especially in more urban markets. I'm embarrassed to say how many times my daughter has used that to get both ice cream and vitamins and cold medicine over the course of the past year, these these micro purchases. Yeah. And then you see headlines, GoPuff being valued at a few billion dollars. Sanity. Yeah. And five years ago, I was trying to weasel my way into their Series B. I was denied. It's just so obvious that the ecosystem is about to become so fragmented. And you think about these CPG brands and what their strategic sales plans used to look like. Maybe there were three retailers or there was 10. I really believe that in a few years time, they're going to have these meetings and there's 50 different retail channels that matter to them. How do you see that playing out? Like, How do you go from being used to having the finite and manageable and repeatable set of channels you're looking at to that? Like, How do you even introduce that pivot into broader fragmentation? One, there's going to be a need for consistency. I think that's going to come in the form of software, right? That can work cross-channel. I think it's going to create new bodies of trade groups, for example, like the ANA or the IAB, but now for retail, because there has to be some level of consistency that you're driving across the universe. 
And then finally, it's what you and I have lived through in the ad tech universe. Eventually, there's going to have to be consolidation. Yeah, but I think you're right in that it's going to get big before it gets small. Yeah. And not like in a bubble bursting kind of a way, but it's also going to breed a tremendous amount of innovation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there's so many new models. Um, you know, I was talking to an investor the other day and they just invested in essentially, you know how there's cloud kitchens? Mm-hmm. They invested in cloud convenience stores. Ooh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, micro warehouses and you can go get Gatorade and you probably can get products from Reckon and, you know, everyone else that we've had on this podcast. I love the idea of seeing how the retail experience is changing and how a lot of these guys are even looking at real estate as less of a liability and more of an asset, especially in these uh, population dense areas. Yeah, 100%. And so we have someone like Armadeep who's about to join us, you know, and he's the GM of Reckitt's entire baby and vitamin business. And you have to imagine that his job is actually only going to get more complicated over time. Well, as it well should, the guy's moved up in his career like insanely. If it doesn't get more challenging, he's not going to be so interested in it. I love your outlook on life. Always positivity. Oh yeah, that's that's what people say about me. 100%. <laughs> I, I do think that you're right though. And particularly the categories that he looks at in baby and nutrition have had so much change over the course of the past year. And he is in a fabulous position to bring that open-minded, curious point of view to the equation. Well, with that, let's bring Armadeep onto the show. Hi, everyone. It's uh, Armadeep here. I'm delighted to be both with Sarah and uh, Rachel today. Well, we're so excited to, to get into the weeds with you because uh, you've been in this game for a long time. And at Reckitt specifically, you know, you're overseeing fairly two different categories. One is baby and one is vitamin brands. In your mind, do you see those as different businesses or is the consumer behavior the same? Good question, Rachel. I think um, the businesses are the same, but there's some real nuances and differences between them as well. When dealing with the baby side of the business, it's highly emotionally charged as parents are looking to make the best choice they can for their baby. On the VMS side of the business, we do obviously work with babies and toddlers there as well, but we also have products and ranges for adults and mums. And, you know, then it's more of a wellness decision that's often made there and making sure that you've got the best nutrition for yourself as well. So similarities in terms of the segments, but some differences on the decision-making and and how those sort of choices get made. That makes sense. Drilling down a little bit more into baby, the pandemic has been quite the challenge for parents. Mm -hmm. Although if my social feed is any indication, it seems that everyone's having an either COVID newborn or COVID pet. I personally, neither, and no intentions of either. How is uh, Reckitt thinking about the future of the baby sector? I'm assuming you don't want to comment on the pet sector. So let's just talk about babies. Well, actually, Sarah, I did actually get a COVID pet. So we got a, a Labradoodle about a year ago. So I'm living with that as well as two kids. Wow. You, you, you were early before they sold out. Yeah. So adorable. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of what's happening in call it the baby sector or with births overall, Usually with a pandemic event and high unemployment, it does affect birth rate. That's a known fact. Hmm. However, what I'm really proud of, even if I look at the record performance last year in the in the US at least, you know, despite that, we still between the the uh, we call it the infant and child business as well as VMS, we actually grew sales 
year on year, which is phenomenal. So yes, there are headwinds that emerge through these pandemics, but you know the fundamentals are still there. You know, to your point, uh, Sarah, people are still having babies. I've got friends or people that I know who are expecting as we speak. So you know, we do see this as a cycle that will improve over time. But you know, again, it's it's a case of staying the course and and riding that through. Very hard to run a business based on people's decisions to have children. Like just every trend that has existed that you say, okay, well, you know, we're starting to see birth rates, you know, like 0.000 change. Same thing. And don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing babies and toilet paper, but <laughs> there, there is like this thing where, where there's such a predictability to a, to a certain business and there's so much predictive modeling that you can do. And then a global pandemic hits and you're like, and typical pandemic behavior is blah, blah, blah. I'm like, there's no typical pandemic behavior. Come on. It's so true. I mean, I've worked on other categories and businesses and I I remember working on some, whether it's dictated by weather patterns and temperature. And the more you look at brands and and markets, they are actually some swings that happen through other factors that are outside your control. And this is probably obviously one of them. And I think you know, the best way through this is to keep sort of investing in the right experiences for your consumers, supporting the brands. And, you know, if we can innovate and surround mom with the right offerings, you know, we'll, we know we will win in the marketplace in the future as well. But it's a great point, though. And sometimes you have things in your control, but sometimes they're outside your control as well. With so many sort of macroeconomic factors outside of your control, how do you plan for inventory? It's mm, a good question. I think, first of all, we've got great people. We always start there and, and smart systems that we use. And you know, we work really closely with all our retail partners and we're sort of very tightly connected with them. And, you know, we've built the rhythm over time that, that allows us to do that. And our supply chain is everything because obviously quality and the way that we make things is critical and the way we deliver them as well. So I think it's, it's all of those things working together. And obviously with a COVID event, it puts a lot of pressure on all of those sort of different areas but, you know, as we work together, we use data as much as we can and we look for the right signals, both lead indicators of showing us what may happen. And then we try and adjust our production and delivery according to that as well. Not ever perfect, but, you know, we try and get it right most of the time. Switching slight gears from baby. Yeah. You know, vitamins was one of the early categories where you started to see these challenger direct-to-consumer brands emerge. Curious when it comes to the vitamin business, how you think about D to C versus you know marketplace and wholesale. Yeah, so on that one, Rachel, I think um, we're very fortunate. We've got powerful partnerships and presence with our retailers at retailers.com, as you probably know better than most. And we also do have a D to C business as well. So we have our own uh, D to C as well. So we've got sort of a multi-channel approach. And I think what what really matters here is the omni-channel experience. And I know a lot of folks use that quite widely, but to me, omni-channel is critical because what we're finding, and we've done various test experiments on this as well, is like people like to have a choice in where they buy, even online. And so whether that's at their favorite retailer.com or it's at a, a D2C store. So we you know, by using the mindset of putting the consumer first and the shopper first, we want to give them the options that they can buy where they like buying. So that's sort of how, you know, I sort of break that down. Couldn't agree with you more. It makes a ton of sense. And being where your consumer is, is like one of those timeless fundamentals. We just have to always think through how, how you change 
like what you change and what what is a timeless fundamental. And so when you think about that, like be where, where your consumer is, it's like no duh, but everybody's been chasing that bright, shiny object. And for so many categories, that D2C versus e-commerce thing has been, everybody was like kind of jumping on that D2C bandwagon. And it's like, not everything is a great idea D2C. BB and vitamins happen to actually both be very good on both, but it's helpful that you're you're looking at it from from that perspective. If you look at, you know, vitamins that they also have had a tremendous surge over the course of the year, the category is so hot. And I'm just curious to get your point of view on this. Like is, was the category hot because all the doctors were recommending that if you had COVID, you should take vitamins or just as a preventative measure. I'm like, I'm guessing you probably know your consumer a lot better than I know why I'm taking my vitamins. I know I'm taking them. I just don't know why I'm taking them. (laughs) I think it's important. I always think of it this way. I mean, I take vitamins myself. I've got, you know, my favorites um, as well, like Airborne's one of mine. And, uh, you know, I think what what we did see is rapid growth, particularly with things like immunity, which makes a lot of sense with immunity sort of really coming into its fore, particularly, you know, even for uh, children, infants, as well as adults. So people were looking to do the right thing. And then, you know, I think it even put more pressure on wellness and preventative health as well, because people were trying their best to say, how do I stay healthy? Um, How do I avoid certain conditions? And so as part of that, people turn to categories like VMS. That's exactly what we saw. So, you know, I'm not surprised that trend emergent happened. And, you know, what will be interesting is as we go through this, like which of those behaviors stick and what becomes that new normal as well. We talk actually a lot at work about the difference between medicine and vitamin just in terms of our behaviors, like how much of your time is spent medicine, like fixing something versus vitamin, which is making things better. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this year was, was a big, like, is this a vitamin activity or medicine activity? And like, we talk about like, even just having a better percentage of medicine versus vitamin. And this year, I just feel like has been a big mm-hmm. move to vitamin these days. And I think that that's, uh, yeah, that's the preventative component of it is really good, but also just taking care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. I mean, anything you can do on a, I mean, I'm a real big advocate of preventative health as well. So anything you do to stay well and stay healthy, you know, I would encourage anyone, even listening, like do the steps you need. And that to me includes exercise and all of those things, because again, with everything that's happened, it's been tougher to keep up with some of those routines. So I think I take more of a sort of wellness and balanced approach as well and advocate for that quite a bit. Speaking of preventative, you know, I have a friend, she's the founder of Parsley Health and she's a doctor by trade. And her whole thesis was that America has it all wrong. We go to the doctors when we're sick, we should be going when we're well. And her business and her practices exploded during the pandemic because she already had telemedicine in place. You think about new growth channels. Is Reckitt thinking about telemedicine as a commerce channel? Good question, Rachel. Um, to be honest, I'm I'm not 100% in the know, but I'm pretty sure through some of the ventures work that we've been doing, we have been looking at this area as well. I think particularly in the UK, I think there's a business called Healthily, which um, Reckitt is invested with. So again, I think we are looking at it. And you know, to the point that you raised, you know, we do know that preventative health is critical. So we encourage everyone to do that, whether it's even with your pediatrician or your physician or whatever it is. So you're absolutely right. And, you know, you see the market like I do as well. And I think that is probably going to be a growth area in the future in in a place like the U.S. Yeah. 
we're going to talk about bravery in a few minutes because, you know, we're on the Brave Commerce podcast, but let's talk about bravery in commerce. Where are you seeing that coming out, especially given the massive shift to e-commerce? Yeah, I think, you know, I love this topic of bravery, by the way. I've always been a big advocate of creative bravery because I think you see creativity when there's extremes, right? When you think about human nature, when extreme conditions or situations happen, that's where creativity comes to the fore. I think where, whether it's creativity or bravery, I've been so impressed with the shift that's happened or accelerated towards things like online click and collect, more frictionless options for payments, more, it's becoming easier and easier for commerce to become broader than just e-commerce. It's click and collect, it's predictive shopping lists, it's better solutions and technologies that either retailers and others are investing in. I think that to me has been really impressive. And even the acceleration of same-day deliveries, um, all of those things working together. I mean, I think that's where I think businesses have started to reinvent themselves a little bit. And I, I love that. And I think it's going to spur even more innovation and more of a movement for people buying multi-channel as well. Totally agree. You know, something Sarah and I often talk about is strategic plans used to have a few retailers on it. We believe that in five years time, you're going to sit down at Reckitt and you're probably going to have 50 different channels that you care about in terms of the fragmentation that's happening in the market. Yeah, Rachel, I think um, you're right there as well. I think the, you know, the, the growth and explosion, even when you think about services that we may use, whether it's like an Uber Eats, a Grubhub, I mean, all of those things, Instacart's of the world, I mean, they've come into their fore, right? So it shows you, you know, the pandemic's probably driven some new adoption and new sort of behaviors. And again, I'm, I'm like as fascinated as anybody to say how much of that sticks, how much does it accelerates, and how does it change how businesses think about fulfilling consumer needs. For what you just said, one of the fastest growing growth channels in 2020 for DoorDash was convenience stores. And CPG has now become a huge vertical for them. Yeah. Well, we now want to turn the tables away from commerce and really get to know you. What's the bravest thing that you've ever done? Gosh, um, I think it's moving around a lot. So I'll give you an example. So I've, I've moved countries quite often through my career and I think the bravest thing I ever did was I remember moving from the UK to the US with a six-month-old child and a two-year-old and not even knowing where we were going to be living. So we just showed up at the airport in the US and then we were looking for temporary accommodation. And it seems so crazy explaining that to you now, <laughs> but back then I said, yeah, absolutely, let's go for it. And we convinced ourselves it'd be a great thing. And And I was thinking about this quite a bit. I was thinking gosh, how brave was I then? Because not having that fully baked plan, it was just remarkable that I did that. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> and how did your wife feel about this? I think she's she's amazing, right? So I think we only made it through with her support through that as well. I think when we look back at it, I think I've moved about six or seven times, been to, we worked in various countries and the first one was the most extreme. We, we sort of didn't know what we were getting into. And so everything felt great at the time. And then it dawned on us when we landed, we were driving on the other side of the road. And then we were even trying to figure out what was what in a grocery store back then. So I think we made it through. We don't know how, but now we look back at it and think, wow, how did we do that? Like what was going through our thought process? Love it. That's funny. That's how I feel when I'm in Tesco. 
(laughs) (laughs) It's like so silly because it's like, it's different, but the same. That's just such a great, like, memory sticker of like what it's like and we speak the same language yeah totally different stuff yeah my first shopping experience took me about two hours (laughs) and you can't get melatonin over the counter in the uk that's another uh key learning that you find out late at night when going to boots but anyway enough of the (laughs) cross pond conversation awesome thank you so much for sharing your knowledge your insights and your personal story as well well no thank you Thanks for listening. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to share this link with a friend. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of Truth, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice. Meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.